Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sport Network Soccer Podcast, where we'll be joined again by Noel and Jason O'Connor. And Noel, to start with yourself this evening, obviously the, the big uh, talking point will be Treaty United's 3-0 win over Cove last week. It was a vital win, Noel. It wasn't exactly a vintage performance, shall we say, uh, for full 90 minutes, uh, for instance, but three goals scored at home. Uh, clean sheet and now 11 points between themselves and Cork. Uh, couldn't have asked it was for much more and it was very important. No, you're right. It was definitely very, very important. I mean, the three points were were a, were a must, particularly with the games that are coming up and to keep the gap there, you know, which obviously is a kind of a comfort blanket and it's important. Scoring three goals um, and not conceding. Um, I thought it was a hard enough watch in fairness. Um, and I felt they probably could have got after Cove a bit more, particularly when they scored as early uh, as they did. They seemed to drop off into their own half and give Cove a bit of a foothold in the game. Now, we have been talking a good bit about Cove in, in the last four or five weeks, and we said, you know, obviously their inability to score. But, you know, certainly while the game was 1-0, you said, look, anything can happen, as we know, uh, in, in, in football, you know, a bad tackle in the box or a handball or, or something, you know. Just to put them back in the game. But um, look, overall, I think they'll be very happy with the result. Um, the performance wasn't that great, I suppose. The, um, the gap is pretty big now. And in the next week or two, I think it'll, it'll, it should sort itself out in that if, if they can pick up another point or three in the next couple of weeks. I think the playoff place is done and dusted. And if they don't, well, then you know that that little bit of pressure is on the whole time. And I suppose... The only kind of a worry that I had out of it and thinking back over the last four or five weeks is uh, the form of players in general, because I know every night we'd watch them and even coming on here on early the following week, we'd always, you know, pick out three or four and said, you know, they were really excellent. Like someone had a really, really big game, like Ed McCarthy had some big games and Sean McSweeney did and um, Jack Lynch, you know, Mark Walsh and I just feel in the last three or four games that there's no one really hitting those heights it's very hard to pick out a player now you know that you'd say did really well last week <laughs> certainly not in the Wexford game either and even though they got uh, an hour defeat in Bray I didn't think anyone was outstanding that night even though they were probably unlucky not, not to get a point and in comparison to maybe five or six weeks ago when you had guys you know what I consider is in flying form it's just a bit of a worry now that Everyone seems to be having a little bit of a dip at the moment. I, I should include Mark Ludden there as well. Um, a guy that we were raving about nearly every week. I'm not saying he's not playing bad or, you know, but he's just not hitting the heights that he was a few weeks ago. And I suppose the exception to that has been Ty Grine, luckily enough, because there's a few games that if he hadn't played well or if the Malays affected him like the rest of the players, well, then they may not have got, you know, particularly that point against Wexford. Yeah, it's a fair point. And Jason, when it was 1-0 to 3 Cove did have a spell there for 20, 25 minutes where you were kind of thinking, oh, we're inviting pressure on ourselves here and Conor Dryden hit the post. Could have been a totally different game then if, if they had scored. But coming to the rescue somewhat again, Jason, was the set-piece prowess, scoring off the second phase of a set-piece with Anto O'Donnell. And then that go-to man, Willie Armshaw as well, with a superb goal coming off the bench. Yeah, definitely, Adrian. You know, and I know I mentioned there 
Mark Ludden, I suppose, but if you look at the first goal, it's it's an excellent ball into the box, Adrian, for, for Max Weenie, you know, and then obviously for Anto Donalds, you rightly said it, it's off a Ludden corner again, and, and then it's a second phase and they finish it. So, look, I agree with Noel, he's not getting forward as much, but he's still contributing. That first goal was very, very important, Adrian. He came early, eight minutes. As I said, a wonderful ball into the box and keepers hate them ones because it's in an area really where if the striker can get across him, then it's a goal and that's what Max Sweeney done. He done it really well. But you said it there, they dropped off, Adrian, you know, and I suppose it's a lack of confidence, I think, based on probably previous results and, and previous performances. Cove for all their possession and, and you rightly say join them in close couple of occasions, but that was kind of out of mistake, some treaty. You know, more than them opening treaty up. I was disappointed in Cove. And I have been all season. I would have tipped them earlier on to maybe get in the playoffs, but, but way, way off it, Adrian, you know, overplaying and, and not really hurting teams. But look, you rightly said it until the second goal and then the third goal came. You were always that little bit fearful and, and things weren't great. But I suppose you look Edward McCarthy back in the sixth position again. We saw him there against Bray and I thought he was really, really good. It's his natural position. I flagged that early in the season. So it's good to see him get a little couple of games in there. I know Tommy took him at around the hour mark. But look, I was a little bit disappointed in Clyde and Jack as well in there in the middle. I don't think they helped him out too much. You know, I think Ed moves the ball really, really quickly when he's in that position. You can see he understands the role. He covers centre-backs when they step in with possession. Even when there's throw-ins, he picks up great positions. So he's very familiar with the role through his younger ages and he's going to grow into that position. I think, obviously, Red's big, big miss. You know, he came on, looked injured when he came on. We know Max Weenie isn't a centre-forward. And, and I think Noel said it a couple of weeks ago, by putting Max Weenie up there, you know, you really disrupt that, that midfield unit, Adrian. And, and I think that's really where the, the problems lay. Yeah, and that's actually a point I was going to touch upon, Noel, Jason. Obviously, Oz probably isn't in agreement with the fact that Sean McSweeney was leading the line last Friday. It's a point I put to Tommy after the game as well. Was that a tactical decision or was it a case of Kieran Hanlon was injured? He kind of intimated there was a tiny bit of both. He said that Sean McSweeney had uh, played in that position maybe growing up and in the past at that level, he said. And also, you know... He said that he feels that Kieran Hanlon can do more than he feels he can be the best striker in the league. But it was like he was almost pushing uh, Kieran Hanlon to, to do more as well. But I suppose I know from the fact, from the past, excuse me, that you have been probably in disagreement with playing Sean McSweeney as, as a striker lead the line. And do you think, and do you still think that after last Friday? Yeah, listen, and Jason, right, you got a fabulous call, and that's the ability he has. I don't think he is a striker. I don't think he fancies it. I thought after a few minutes, like as we said, when Particularly when Treaty dropped off, I thought his, his body language was poor. Um, didn't doesn't really like that lone striker role. I don't know. He fancies maybe getting battered by a centre half or having to run in behind. And um, he likes to be more part of the action in terms of that link between the midfield and the uh, and the striker. And he's done really really well at it. And I suppose there was a case maybe on Friday night of starting Connor Melody. Um, who, when he came on for 20 minutes uh, against Wexford, I thought he did really well. And if 
Kieran Hanlon wasn't fit to start. You know, I'd be inclined to maybe give him another few minutes on on the pitch and and let uh, Sean McSweeney play number ten. And I think he's going to be very important in the next few games, where you would think that the chances are going to be harder to come by, and they're going to need the likes of Sean McSweeney in the middle, maybe to to create something or to come late into the box to score um, what what will be a vital goal. Yeah, and Jason, just to move on to the big encounter on Friday with Galway, who are currently in second and two points ahead of Treaty. I suppose we've been looking at it from the point of view, Jason, of maybe the cautious side for the last few weeks of looking at over our shoulders and looking at Cork City and at Lawn and trying to maintain the gap uh, between those teams. But if you look at it from the positive side, you're going into a game against Galway, where if you win, Treaty are very could be very conceivably finishing the, the round of games in second position with just five games to go, which is something we certainly didn't see happening at the start of the season. No, definitely not, Adrian. I don't think anybody did. I suppose, and you look at the other fixtures as well, you know, you've Cork playing Shelburne, you've Brea playing at Lone. So, no one mentioned it there. I think Treaty will probably need another three points, maybe four with the games coming up. Um, and it is a big game. They're all big games now, Adrian, and there won't be a whole pile in the game. It's been defense, defensively disciplined, I suppose, against Galway, you know, and disciplined all over the pitch because we know they only need kind of one chance to get a goal and they'll shut up shop and they won't go looking for a second and a third they'll be happy to kind of sit in and nullify treaty because that can be done pretty easily we can see that especially with red out of the pictures so it is a big game um, I'm not too sure it's away from home depending who's fit I don't think with the same start 11 as last week you'll get anything off Galway Adrian but you could go there looking for a point, which would be a very good result. Yeah, that's actually a point, Noel, that I put to Tommy after the game. I said, would you take a point in Galway next week? He intimated that they will be going to win, but I know he would probably say that anyway. But I'd, I'd say he'd be certainly happy with a point in this one. Oh, I'd say he'd be delighted with a point, yeah. And obviously he would. And he'd be right to think that, I mean, if you're 2-0 up with five minutes to go in Galway, you're certainly not happy to... To take a point, and I think the the Galway United keeper was sent off as well mm-hmm. against Cabin Tealy, so so he'll be missing as well, and that's a big plus for Treaty, um, you know, ha- because that'll be the reserve keeper in who hasn't had a whole lot of games this year, so it'll certainly give him a chance, and they should be thinking about that. Um, Treaty from set plays, as I didn't mention, Jason did. They certainly look back to their best. Uh, they make Cove very very uncomfortable, you know, in four or five of them. And I think that's going to be very important as well on Friday, but it probably will be a very cagey game. Um, and I think Treaty are up against it. Yeah, just by the way, Jason, both of those teams play, you are expecting it to be a tight and, and cagey affair. I suppose we know that Galway are very physical, uh, quite direct. Where do you think their main strengths are and what Treaty need to combat to come away with at least a point out of this? They're defensively very solid, Adrian. We can see that by the results and, and the number of clean sheets. It's no secret that scoring goals, I suppose, has been their issue all year. They are strong in the middle of the park. We know they've kind of McCormick in there. And they'll be playing the ball around. And they're not afraid to go back to front either, Adrian, when need be. You know, So they are their strengths, really. You're going to need a clean sheet. Um, if you're treaty, you really are. Because, as I said a moment ago, if you give Galway a lead, it's very, very difficult to claw back. So I would be suggesting to Tommy to, to revert. I mean, said this for a couple of weeks, go back, reset, 
let the opposition have it in their own half. Don't be worried about that. Be worried when it becomes dangerous in the, in your defensive third. Make sure you are your midfield too, because I would play two against Galway, two sitters are in close proximity to the defence, big up second balls and don't give away set pieces. And as I said, be really, really disciplined in your play, Adrian. That's that's a given when you're away to Galway. Yeah, certainly is the case. And, and Treaty will obviously be hoping to produce a similar performance as they did earlier in the season at MDC Park. Noel, the team selection will be, again, uh, one to, to discuss. There is a lot of subs now available to Tommy, which probably wasn't the case maybe even five to six weeks ago. Uh, do you expect to see any uh, personnel changes from what we have? Because we don't think there's going to be anyone back realistically injury-wise. So what he had last week is probably what's going to be available again this week. Yeah, I think there's a case for starting Connor Melody. I mentioned earlier on, and to be against his ex-club as well. And my experience of guys is they, they generally do quite well against the Rex, uh, the Rex team. I thought he was impressive enough when he came, um, came on against Wexford. He was instrumental in them maybe getting back up the pitch a little bit and creating that equaliser. And um, I, I think if, if, if Kieran Hanlon is unavailable, I certainly would be thinking about playing him. I think there's a better balance to treaty when Sean McSweeney is playing behind a striker at number 10. And, and that would lead into being able to play two holding midfielders as well. So um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But I, I, I certainly think that he deserves a chance on, uh, on Friday night. Yeah, and as I was saying earlier, Jason, it looks like we're not going to have the likes of like Dean George coming back in or even possibly Matt McKevitt by the looks of it. So it looks like what Tommy has at the moment available to him from last week is going to be what's available again. Like Noel, I'll ask yourself, what's your own opinion? Do you think there'll be any changes personnel-wise to the team? I'd be in agreement with Noel that you need Max Tweeney back in the ten. Um, I'd be inclined to put Callum in there um, as the six. And I'd be moving uh, Ed McCarthy out to the wing. That would be kind of the changes I'd be making, Adrian. Um, McKevitt is a loss. We can see that when you're without Kieran Hanlon. You're missing McKevitt. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'm not as convinced as Noel, I suppose, on Connor Melody. I haven't seen enough of him to, to make that much of a call on him. He's more of, as Noel said, he'll run the line. He'll kind of run in behind. Will he hold the ball up? You look at the centre-backs, he's going to be probably up against Bruder, who could dominate him physically. And you don't really want the ball coming straight back against Galway, Adrian. That would be my only fear. But, yeah, I'd be inclined to go along Noel's lines, bring Max Sweeney back into the 10, bring Callum into the 6, probably have Jack in there and put Ed back out in a wide position. Uh, certainly will be interesting to see what way the, the management team uh, go in, in this game. Noel, we, we touched on it a few weeks ago, the relegation battle in, in the Premier Division. We know Longford are gone now, uh, they, they can't go, but it's the playoff position that interested us. Um, we, one team we didn't discuss, looking back at the video realistically, in any great detail, was Dundalk. At the time, I think we with the amount of games they had in hand at the time, I was kind of thinking, ah, they'd probably be safe. But they haven't really picked up any results since then and have also lost to Drogheda. And even if they win their game in hand that they have on Finn Harps, they won't go ahead of them on points. And obviously, Waterford are in very good form. So is that actually a, a genuine worry now for Vinnie Porton? Something we certainly wouldn't have thought would have been a worry at the start of the season. No, certainly not. And not even for me, even though I did expect him to struggle, but I, I saw him around fifth or sixth. 
Um, certainly a real worry, and I suppose what was a worry when Vinnie Port said a couple of weeks ago that you know that there was no need to panic because I think Neil Fenn said the same thing last year, uh, managing Cork, and we all know how that ended up. But um, look, it is a worry, and you know, you look at their team. You know, the two names, the only two names that are really popping out of me now are, are Pat Hoogan and, uh, and Michael Duffy. Um, it's just a, a pale shadow of what was there before. You know, there's obviously a lot of internal kind of a crisis, for want of a better word, there. And um, they would need to be careful now because they could end up in a, in a relegation playoff. I still think that they probably have enough to, to climb out of it, but obviously not at the expense of, of Finn Harps. And I still think that it'll be Drada who, um, who will end up there. I think there, there's a bit of pressure coming on there as well. I don't know where it's coming from, but I, I watched um, an interview with Tim Clancy there over the weekend and mm. he had to come back from a four or five game ban and subsequently had been sent off again. And they seem to be in, in, in trouble with officials every week. And, you know, we spoke about treaty avoiding that early in the season. Certainly not a good place to be. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it happens. But I think... Dundalk will just be good enough just to, just to avoid that place, but there won't be too many places above it. Yeah, it's incredible, really, to see the fall of Dundalk in such a short period of time, I must say. And just to move off the Airtricity League for the moment, Jason, and move on to what's probably a sore subject for myself, to be honest, uh, on to the Munster Junior Cup and, and the, the junior results over the weekend. I was on the end of a pretty severe beating at the hands of Fairview, which I probably won't be allowed to forget any time I do a junior game, I'd say. Uh, but they... We'll say, outside of the result I was involved, because I was only aware just one division below Fairview, but there was a lot of other results, Jason, where I was looking at who does this benefit. You had teams from the likes of Premier A, I'm on a playing teams from 3B and 3A. I mean, for instance, there was one scoreline that was 13-0 without naming any teams involved uh, in that. There was a lot of results, really one-sided games. Um, would there be a... a Good argument, Jason, and something that's cropping up a lot more now. Would there be a good argument for the LDMC and even the Munster Council to discuss putting in preliminary rounds with lower league sides? Or is that not going to help anyway because the gap is just too big from, from top to bottom? I think the gap is too big, Adrian. I think that is the real problem, I suppose. You can, you can have the argument of bringing in a, a preliminary round. But I suppose then you look at the other results, Clume turned over Premier um, Geraldine's Adrian, so that's the argument for not having a preliminary round and, and the magic of the cup, I suppose, is, is the way you might look at it. So no, look, there is an argument that them teams um, from 2A or 3B or, or the lower divisions needn't enter it, Adrian, if they don't want to. But I know a lot of them clubs and been involved with some of them over the years and they look forward to playing the the top teams just to get on the pitch against them i suppose and and enjoy the game they know they're not going to win the monster junior cup they know they're not really going to get out of town and i suppose without that pre preliminary round the way it is at the moment there's always i suppose the case that a couple of premier teams will come up against each other we saw james and kilmallock obviously two premier sides so it does create that little bit of magic there is arguments to and far and adrian i suppose and no one wants to see them them high score lines. They really don't. And, and there's no need to be putting them up on social media either. Yeah, I'd probably be in agreement with that, uh, to be honest, Jason. Uh, I, I was slipping up because I almost left you off the hook in terms of discussing the first division games. Uh, 
elsewhere in, in the league. So we will go back to that anyway, Noel, for, for a start. And one of the big ones that will interest uh, Treaty will be obviously Cork City against Shelburne. Shelburne, I said this a few weeks ago that we were obviously hoping at that stage that Shelburne were just going to beat everyone, to be honest. Kind of, you know, keep everyone down, go ahead and run away with the league because it would probably suit uh, most teams in the league to keep each other uh, close by as well. But there's certainly, this is going to be a very, very tough one for Shells, like considering the, the form Cork City are in at the moment. They really are in, in scintillating form all around. They are, yeah, and I fancy Cork to win it. Um, I think they've been in unbelievable form. The Cabin Teal one obviously was the hiccup. It seems there was, you know, a bad referee's decision in that that cost him two points. Um, it hasn't really affected them since. I mean, they went to Sligo in the cup and beat Sligo away. They took St. Pat's to penalties uh, in Pondus Cross a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> and I really feel that um, there is still a kick left in them and they're going to go right down. It, it will end up going right down to the wire, I think, and I expect it to be Shelburne uh, on Friday night. Uh, well, you haven't been wrong in terms of Cork in recent weeks, so that would be an interesting one if it came true, and, and not that surprising considering the form of the team. Uh, also, Bray and Athlone, Bray host Athlone, Jason, another game that will will you know be on Treaty's uh, radar, for, for want of a better word, uh, with Athlone still hanging in there after last week. I mean, that result last week really would have annoyed probably Paul Doolin because everyone said the manager bounce is gone after one game. But uh, they, they were playing a, re, a, a side in really good form. This will be a game they'll really target just to keep that slim hope. But do you think they can do it in Bray? I think they can, Adrian. You know, Bray obviously lost last week to UCD 4-3. Um, and I think, look, Noel quite rightly said, Cork are flying. They really are. And, and we mentioned Barry Coffey a couple of weeks ago and the impact he's had below on Cork has, has been massive. I know they're, they're speaking very, very highly of him. So we won't read into, I suppose, the Atlone Cork result too much. And Paul Doolan's going to have an impact. We know that. Is there a chance of, of the playoffs gone? Have they accepted that? These are the questions, I suppose, that they, they can only answer in-house. But... As I said, Bray on the back of, of a defeat last week against UCD won't be full of confidence and, and I actually fancy at loan, Adrian. Yeah, and just to move on, I suppose UCD went through a period there in the season, Noel, where they were maybe in, in really poor form. They've managed to arrest that slide and then had a big win over Bray. Obviously, last week, they've been a bit more consistent. They host uh, Kevin Teeley, who obviously we've been notorious for not being able to read for most of the season. Nobody can really. Uh, in my own opinion, I'd probably expect a home win out of this. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think it will be a home win. And we spoke about UCD being quite streaky. They didn't really come back after the break. Um, I think the last four or five in a row, but in the last few weeks, they've certainly been um, picking up good results and starting to score goals again. And uh, it's a, just the right time of the year for the students as well. So I, I would expect them to win on, on Friday night. Yeah, and Jason, finally, we'll say on that note with the, the predictions, we have the bottom two sides facing each other in Wexford host and Cove Ramblers. Would it be fair to say, Jason, that, you know, Cove would have been happy enough that the, the season started when it did because really they've been in such poor form and, and look at uh, a poor enough outfit and a blunt force at the moment like that. There's arguments to be made that if it started any later, they would be the basement side in the division going on form. Yeah, going on form, Adrian, certainly, you know, and you hit the nail on the head there, I suppose, you know, excuse the pun, but they are very blunt. 
they're not scoring goals. They don't look like scoring goals. They don't hurt teams. And and based on Wexford performance in, in the markets field a few weeks ago, Adrian, you'd fancy them to get a result there at home. Obviously, they lost Paul Fox last week, another red card for him. But they impressed me in the markets field, Adrian, when I saw them. They were full of confidence. Ian Ryan has, has turned them around and, and Cover are definitely going the other way. So I'd fancy Wexford to pick up a home win. Yeah, and on a, a final note for this evening's uh, show, Noel, we can't go out without mentioning the, the Irish uh, performances and results uh, in the last week. We were talking about it, building it up slightly before the game started. Um, we've had, obviously, the Portugal result where it was a great performance on the night, 1-0 up. Not only did we not hold out a draw, we, we lost the game in injury time, but with Ronaldo playing, that was always a possibility with the amount of pressure that they had in the second half uh, on the Irish team. But the problem was for Stephen Kenny, in my opinion, Noel, is that you know he needed, even if it was a bad performance, I think he just needed a win against Azerbaijan to back that up. So obviously there's a few more calls now for, for Kenny to, to go. Um, do you think now that the, the pressure is is unrelenting and that will, will it, he be able to change the perception of him and, and change maybe the FAI's mind if there is a people, if there is a 50-50 split like it's been reported today? Yeah, I wouldn't read into too much about what's been reported about 50-50 splits and that. Look, obviously, we say it, it is a results business. He certainly hasn't got the results. You know, while the Portugal game was great, you know, it was disappointing the way they conceded the goals, I thought. Um, you know, if you want to be critical, I thought they were struggling down that left side with 15 or 20 minutes to go with Matt Darty. You know, he was standing on the sideline, kind of bent over. And I felt they needed to get a, um, a left back on, on the pitch. And, you know, we talk about Ronaldo scoring two great goals, but, you know, the, the two crosses were almost identical. And I thought they needed to do better to stop the crosses. And it always comes down to small things like that. And then you feel, well, if they did get the draw against Portugal, you know, they were probably likely to win the match. And it's, it's like what we say here about, you know, you get that bit of momentum going. I mean, a draw, even though a late concession of a goal would have been like a win away to Portugal. I'm sure they'd have been in high spirits after that and they probably would have been good enough to get the the win and it's all about that momentum and he hasn't created that, you know, for various reasons, you know, because of COVID and injuries and and this and that and, you know, you're, you're so much under the microscope, like every decision is, you know, discussed by millions of people. It's very, very important as the um, the Irish team. And look, you look at tomorrow night and you can't really see any hope. But, you know, if, if they can win tomorrow night, then everything changes. And that's the way football is. But certainly under pressure and he's under huge pressure himself. I know I because the way I know him, I know that he's under massive, massive pressure himself because, you know, this thing will really hurt the way it's going for him. And it's very, very important to him. And, we can't lose sight of that, but we'd certainly like to see a win. And uh, so far, it, it just hasn't been good enough.